We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Wentz is looking in that direction. Nothing there, and the pocket collapses. Brandon Graham is there. Another Philadelphia sack. That one of the nine times that Carson Wentz got sacked in the football game, uh, he was hit and pressured 17 times in what was a non-competitive loss for the Washington team known as the Commanders. 24-8, the final Obviously, this show will be dominated by that uh, today. Doc Walker will jump on with us in about 25 to 30 minutes. We'll go around the NFL and talk a little bit about the Maryland loss at Michigan in the final segment of the show today. Please, if you have not rated and reviewed us on Apple and Spotify in particular, Apple gives you the opportunity to rate us five stars and write a quick one to two sentence review. Really big for us uh, when you do that. The show is presented today by my book. Go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC, uh, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar. They'll double your first deposit all the way up to a thousand dollars. Put a thousand bucks in, you'll have two thousand in your account to wager with. Nine and four, uh, the smell test. Um, so I'm back to five hundred. A good weekend uh, for me. And the game that I really focused on, I think more than any, from the early portion of the week, were the Indianapolis Colts getting a very short number against the Chiefs, and they won that game outright. Uh, two and two on the NFL, and so that would have made me seven and two on college uh, this week. Uh, Already, there are a couple of lines um, that really stand out on my bookie for the upcoming um, week. Uh, one of the lines that really sticks out, in my opinion, is that the Chargers, after starting Herbert yesterday um, and not playing well and getting absolutely run by Jacksonville, they're a seven-point favorite at a Houston team that's been pretty feisty uh, so far. Don't be surprised if you see a lot of action on the underdog uh, in that one. And then you've got a huge game Sunday night. The Chiefs at the Bucks. The Chiefs are three-point favorites on the road against Tampa uh, in that one. And then if you stayed up and watched the Sunday night game last night, God bless you. I fell asleep. 11-10 to 10 was the final. The 49ers uh, losing to the Broncos. The Broncos have now won their last two games scoring 
a total, a grand total of 27 points in the two games. They beat Houston last week 16-9 and won last night by the score of 11-10. to I don't know if we've ever seen that score. Uh, that's a very rare score. They were down 10-5 to after a safety that Jimmy Garoppolo took that was very Dan Orlovskian, if you remember uh, the Detroit quarterback who works for ESPN, who ran out of the back of the end zone and didn't even realize it. Uh, and then uh, Denver had an 80-yard drive uh, in the fourth quarter to win the game. Uh, the Monday night game next week, is the it's 49ers and Rams. Neither team has looked very good, the two teams that were the NFC championship teams from a year ago. My bookie matches your deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. You have to use my promo code Kevin DC to get that done. By the way, the game tonight, Dallas and New York, uh, the Cowboys are one point underdogs, but they are three point favorites right now over Washington next week. Um, I guess, on some level, this week could be considered Dallas week. doesn't really feel like Dallas week, but anyway. All right, so uh, where do we start? Um, I'll get to my game take here in a moment. I'm going to talk about some of the things that I I really felt uh, strongly about as I was prepping for my radio show uh, very early uh, this morning. It was embarrassing yesterday. Um, That was... Um, that was a non-competitive, uh, you know, borderline NFL product out there that Washington put on the field. There's no other way to say it. It was a an utter disaster. Um, it's an early season disaster. You know, that gives you time to recover. And I warned you last week. I said, don't be alarmed. It's only week two. Don't get all bent out of shape. They didn't play well. They played well in the second half. They weren't ready in the first half. And Detroit's an improved team. And Jacksonville, you know, they, they're, they're improved and they got that win. It's early. The league changes, yada, yada, yada. Um, time will obviously tell as to whether or not what we saw yesterday is who this team is or not. But it is becoming very difficult, you know, over the last two games – to think very optimistically about the season ahead. You know, it feels very much like a, we've been here, done this before. You know, it's kind of been a rinse and repeat thing for, you know, 27, 26 years. And really over the last 23 since old, you know, Captain Dan took over. You know, we're, we're preconditioned to think the worst, um, and that's not our fault. Uh, It's not your fault. It's not our fault. It's their fault. Uh, But whatever's in store for them beyond um, this, you know, last game, we do know what we've seen through three games, and it is alarming to a certain degree. It did not seem like at any point in the game yesterday Washington was playing like an actual NFL team. I described the performance on radio earlier this morning as amateur hour. It was an amateur performance by an NFL team. They had no chance yesterday. You know, the second half against Detroit after an abysmal first half, they got themselves back into the game. They had no chance yesterday at any point, none. And the Eagles are better But forget that for a moment. They're obviously better. They're light years better than Washington. But the NFL, 
with a team coming off a very big win on a Monday night with a short work week, even though it's a division rival, in fact, the fact that it is a division game gives it even more of a possibility for a tight game. And that's what I predicted last week. I was dead wrong. I didn't give Washington out as a smell test pick. I didn't like the game either way. I would not have played the game and didn't play the game either way. Game went off at six and a half um, was the point spread at kickoff. I saw some sixes out there. Um, but uh, I did think that maybe the timing was right to play Philadelphia uh, in this particular spot. But there was nothing yesterday. The final score was not an indicator of anything. You know, no statistic from the game yesterday um, was an indicator. Don't let any of that fool you. That game yesterday was not competitive. You know, Washington was outclassed. They were outcoached. They were outed in every way imaginable. Every single way an NFL team can be outed, they were outed. And yeah, it's early. Um, but the problem is the context of the last two games. Being outscored 46 to nothing in the last two weeks in the first halves of games. Two weeks in a row of being totally exposed and totally humiliated in the first half of an NFL game. Again, I know it's early. They've got 14 games left. They're going to play them, and things change. But the context of being down 22 to nothing last week and 24 to nothing this week, you know, and there's a larger picture here that needs to be considered that, that you know, this is, you know, year three of Ron Rivera and his staff's, uh, you know, takeover of the franchise in a coach-centric system. Yesterday was the seventh time, the seventh time since Rivera and company arrived that they've been behind by 20 or more points at halftime. He's only been here and coached 36 regular season games, and after yesterday, nearly 20% of them, the game's been essentially over at halftime with them trailing by 20 or more points. Do you know how impossible that is to pull off? In a league that is designed for all of these teams to be fairly close, to have, to, to, to be down by 20 or more in 20% of the games you've coached so far by halftime, and then we see what we've seen the last two weeks, there's some context here that even though the season's early, it's troubling. By the way, it's the 10th time in 36 regular season games that they've trailed by 20 or more at any point during the game. Yeah, uh, yesterday um, yesterday was the third game of the year, but there are some real problems um, in that third game because of what happened in the second game and what's happened in a lot of games, especially early in the season. You know, games like yesterday where the game goes badly and goes badly very quickly are not unusual with this group. I I mentioned something on radio because I really, really am, you know, not super emotional or passionate about this, but I, this is more kind of take it for what it's worth, Ashburn. We do not need to hear, nor should you speak of, the players needing to adhere to the scheme. 
that the schemes are fine and the players have to do their jobs. That, you know, every play, 10 guys are doing their job and one guy isn't. Not this week. You cannot say that this week. Okay? This is the week, and today, with the coach's press conference after he's watched the film, even if it's true that the scheme's fine and the players are fucking everything up, we should hear Ron Rivera say, this is on me. I am the head coach. I'm also, in a coach-centric environment, the final decision-maker on players. You know, remember, happy Thanksgiving Day. Old Dan up there saying he did all this research and coach-centric was the way he wanted to go, and the buck stops with Ron Rivera this point forward. Well, the buck stops with Ron Rivera starting now. No more, you know, the players need to be more mature and they need to do what they've been told to do. Uh-uh. Even if it's true. Now, I think, personally, he will step up and say, you know, the you know, in true Harry Truman defiance, the buck stops here. He's been a stand-up guy his whole life. He's been that throughout his career. You know, I'm not looking for alarm. I'm not looking for a mea culpa. But he's smart enough to know that after two weeks like the last two, you can't put this on the players publicly this week. He's been very respected as a coach everywhere he's been. His players, his coaches, they've always had his back. So after a second straight total shit show, nothing this week about the players who he has final say over. There's no GM in this organization that reports to him. He's the coach at the center of this coach-centric organization. His team was just outclassed two weeks in a row, and that falls on him before anybody else. I think we'll hear that today and this week. I do. I still have a level of, you know, of belief in Rivera as a competent NFL coach and a very more than competent NFL leader. I know that may sound crazy right now, um, but look, he's got a track record of figuring these things out. You know, his track record is starting slowly and figuring it out and finishing strong, and he's done that with his first two teams here, one and five in 2020. They won six out of their final ten. Two and six last year, and they won four in a row in November and December, and they were a 500 team and in contention in early December before covid you know, and injuries really derailed them a bit. Now, I don't think they would have made the playoffs. They had a, a tough stretch coming up, but they were playing good football. Uh, but uh, I want to sort of strike a theme here um, before I get to my game take. And the theme is really centered around this. You know, in 2020 and 2021, he had, for me anyway, a, a grace period. You know, he came into one of the most dysfunctional organizations in all of sports. And even for what this situation has been, you know, a dysfunctional disaster, things got even worse from the moment he got there. Not it, not because of his doing. You know, the name being lost and then having to be changed and all of the, you know, workplace issues and investigations. And then Ron got cancer. You know, I had no expectations that he could turn things around quickly. He inherited a 3-13 and football team and took over an operation that was unprofessional and without any semblance of class. And 
it was it was a total teardown when he got here. I know we've said that before, you know. When Mike got here, it was a total teardown. When um, Gibbs got here, it was a total teardown. When Marty took over, it was a teardown. I mean, this has been multiple times, and it was when Ron got here in 2020. It's been a house that has been condemned, that needs to be torn down and completely renovated. And I was certainly willing to just wait out the renovation and not even look too closely. I mean, we do, but not really judge too closely. But we're looking now. This is year three. And during this offseason, they promised a little bit about year three. He did. Ron Rivera did. You know, and while the organization, and I understand this, and I've heard from many in the organization, trust me, that the organization isn't getting enough credit for how, you know, much uh, it's improved internally in that building over the last two years. You know, people are emulating their best practices when it comes to HR, and they've wanted some credit for that, you know. That's great, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to take that away from them, but that stuff just doesn't matter when the team on the field isn't good. And the on-field product right now isn't good. Things might change, and if they do, you know, we'll be handing out goldfish and orange slices after the games. Okay, but until they do, don't play us. This is a big boy market here. All right, it may not be Philly or New York or Boston, but it's not Charlotte. No more lecturing about what we're looking at, you know, even when you're right and we're wrong, you know, that, you know, maybe it has something to do with the players you acquired. What about the schemes? No lecturing about those questions and getting, you know, sensitive uh, about some of those questions. No more sensitivity to criticism about what are typically justifiable questions asked by reporters to quarterbacks and, and others. You know, the grace period that you've had for the first two years is over. It's time to start winning more on the field and being less embarrassing off of it. Do that, and you'll be very surprised, pleasantly surprised at the reaction. But don't play us and ask us to jump on board prematurely. You know, you the people out in Ashburn are dealing with a market that that, that is now and a, and a fan base, whatever's left of it, that has been preconditioned to think the worst. And with the exception of those simpletons on Twitter, you know, the get on board or get out crew, which are not very reflective of anything remotely um, approaching a, a, a meaningful percentage of either the people that used to be fans or even some of the fans that are left. The team has kind of bathed, bathed themselves, you know, drenched themselves in some of these social media outcries, in some of these, you know, uh, parties on in, in road games. I, I've, I've talked about that in the past. Bruce did it all the time. They and Dan did. They'd go on a road trip and they'd have a a pep rally the night before, and they'd be like, "Oh, our fans love us," and yet. The TV numbers kept going down and the attendance kept going down. Those people are always going to be there for you. You need to impress and win back the people who have changed their mind about you and have had their mind changed for years. And then try to you know capture the swing vote, the independent voter, the person who hasn't made up their mind. And don't play them. You know, 
Don't play them with mascot contests and new fight songs and, you know, asking why they're not getting enough credit for having a great HR department. That'll happen when you start winning more than losing. And after the first three games this year, it doesn't look very good. Outplayed, outclassed, and two of the three, they were life and death, let's face it, with an improved team in Jacksonville, no doubt. An improved team in Jacksonville, but that was a losable game. That was much more a losable game than either of the last two were winnable. But it's the NFL. They're at Dallas next week with a chance to get to 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback. Ian Rappaport said, uh, kind of shot down the Jerry Jones suggestion that Dak Prescott could be back for week four against Washington. Rappaport has him back on October 16th um, in time for a game against the Eagles. Dallas uh, plays tonight against the Giants. They're, as I mentioned, a three-point favorite uh, Sunday. Um, And look, you know, Cooper Rush may be the quarterback, but Dallas has a very well-coached and an outstanding defense. And Philadelphia, after giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points to Detroit in the opener, they've gotten themselves together defensively. They were awesome yesterday. The biggest disappointment yesterday, and I'll get to this in my game take, is you know the team through the first two games of the season offensively showed real life, showed real skill position talent. You know, last week in the first half was a disaster, but the second half wasn't. Yesterday, the offense was a major disappointment. The offensive line, the offensive coordinator, whom I like, and the quarterback um, just weren't good enough that they were awful in the football game uh this was to me more than anything else a game lost by the o-line the quarterback and the offensive coordinator and i'll tell you this if what you get um moving forward is what you've gotten in the last two games three to four wins this year max and then we're into a whole different conversation about what's next in 2023 But it's only three weeks. One and two could be worse. Could be 0-3 at this point. Jacksonville, they caught in the opener. The Jags, you know, shut out Indy last week, a banged-up Indy team. They crushed the Chargers in L.A. yesterday, a banged-up, you know, Charger team for sure as well. Um, But they got lucky in week one. Trevor Lawrence missed a lot of shit that he hasn't missed the last two weeks. Uh, Anyway. All right. Coming up. Um, my game take. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Pay attention. Here's Kevin's Game Take. All right, the Game Take is brought to you by Window Nation. Window Nation has their halftime sale going on right now. Their football season sale of buy two, get two free with no limit. Put nothing down, make no payments, and pay no interest until the year 2025. You'll lower your energy bills and save big on your air conditioning and heating bills, and you'll increase the value of your home uh, all the while. Uh, call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. If you've been thinking about new windows, I promise you, you can't go wrong by giving Window Nation the first shot. Get the estimate. Call them, get the estimate, and then shop it if you want. Uh, you know, if you want to do that. Uh, you won't find a better deal. You won't work with better people, and you won't get a better product. 866-90-NATION, 866-90-NATION, or windownation.com. All right, my game take, what I liked, what I didn't like, and a few other observations, um, including, including... Um, a discussion about the Adam Schefter report before the game yesterday. All right, uh, what did I like? Um, I liked the defense, especially early in the game. I-, I thought the defense was ready to play the game yesterday. I think they took away the things that Philly had done very well in their first two games. You know, they took away the dive pretty much after the first Miles Sanders run. Uh, They did an excellent job against the run all day long. I mean, Philadelphia, the number one rush offense in the league last year. I think they were the number two rush offense coming in to the game yesterday. Philadelphia had 30 rushes for 72 72 yards. That's 2.4 yards per carry. They really did a good job up front, did a great job taking away the dive, forcing Hurts to keep it on RPOs and on zone reads. And then they had the speed to make them – uh, to make the to make Hertz out on the edge not as effective at, as he had been in the first two weeks, and really what they did is they forced Philadelphia into what everybody should be trying to force Philadelphia into doing, which is making Jalen Hertz throw from the uh, from, throw from the pocket, excuse me, on third down and sizable. Now he delivered yesterday. He's really becoming quite the quarterback 
on an excellent football team. But, you know, Washington forced punts on Philly's first two drives. And they were taking stuff away from them. Philadelphia looked uncomfortable uh, early in that game. They looked un- uncomfortable more than than you know just the early portion of the game. The problem was, of course, it you know changed when Philadelphia started to get many of those explosive plays, and that's what's really hurt Washington in the first two. But Washington took a lot away from Philadelphia. Uh, other than those explosive plays. Jacksonville and Detroit had a lot of the healthy size plays, as we talked about. Philadelphia really didn't. Philadelphia missed on one of their four first four third downs, and then Hurts delivered on three of their next five. But the Eagles had nine third downs in the first half. Nine. That, by definition, means Washington was doing a pretty decent job on first and second down. Now, the chunk plays started to come. The Eagles had five plays of 31 yards or more, three of 40-plus, you know. Um, but none of those came early in the game. Uh, Washington, keep in mind, too, incredibly shorthanded in the game yesterday. No William Jackson. He was ruled out before the game. No Daniel Wise. No uh, no um, James Smith-Williams. No Casey Tuhill. They had, and I saw Kime tweet this out late last night, John Ridgway, William Bradley King, and Benning Potea play yesterday a combined 51 snaps. None of them were on the active roster a week ago. I thought last week the defense was awful from the jump. This week, it was better, especially early. I don't have much on the list of things that I liked, list, but I thought the defense came out ready to play considering that they were shorthanded, which, by the way, in many ways is their own fault for their offseason, understood. But I thought they were aggressive. I thought they took away what Philly has really shredded their first two opponents with, and they made you know Hurts deliver from the pocket a lot. Uh, and he, by the way, did which is really, if you're a Philadelphia fan, pretty exciting shit. That's a good football team. It's an excellent football team, one of the best rosters in the NFL. And the big question, I talked about it all during the offseason and, and, and over the summer, if he takes just a small to moderate step forward, 12-plus wins. They're there if they stay healthy. They are a legitimate NFC championship contending team. The problem yesterday is that while the defense gave him a chance early, the offense was non-competitive. And so there was no complimentary football. Um, Benjamin St. Juice uh, stood out to me. I thought he did a good job. Even when he uh, his his uh, uh, receiver caught a ball, he was there. I liked St. Juice in particular. I've liked him since last year, and he didn't play a lot last year because of the concussion. There's something about him that I like. No William Jackson out there. I thought St. Juice really competed. I thought 97 Obata played well, or at least had a few good plays. I thought Jamin Davis looked good yesterday. He had two sacks. I, I don't remember... I remember one of them. I don't remember the other one, but I saw statistically he had two sacks. But he he and his speed were a factor against Jalen Hurts and some of what Philadelphia wanted to do. In terms of taking away some of what Philadelphia has done well in the first two weeks, Jamin Davis was a part of that. Deron Payne, I don't know how he'll get graded in this game. I just know it wasn't just the safety play. He's just really good right now. You know, and it'd be nice if that was supported by 
players behind them because John was a little bit healthier and played, you know, had a couple of moments. And I, I still think Sweat's got great potential. We'll see on him. You know, maybe he needs Chase Young on the other side. Um, but man, Deron Payne, Deron Payne's going to get paid big time. Also on the list of things that I liked, and again, not much on this list, the field goal was taken off the board because they took the unnecessary roughness penalty and kept the ball and kept the drive going. But Joey Sly attempted his first field goal of the season and split the uprights from 47 yards out. That was kind of a feel-good moment. It didn't count because they took the penalty and they put the offense back on the field. But still, um, Sly uh, one for one on field goals that don't count. Because I think there was a concern with him. Missed an extra point last week. Missed a field goal and an extra point in the preseason. Had not attempted a field goal in the first two games. And now through three games does not have officially an attempted field goal. On the list of things that I didn't like. All right, let's start with like the thing that I think we started with last week. Which is just a horrible, horrible start to the game. Last week, they trailed 22-0 at the break, 22 to nothing. The first half stats last week, 250 Detroit yards to 56 Washington yards. It was total domination, I said last week in the first half, like you rarely see in an NFL game. Well, apparently it's not too rare because it happened again yesterday, and it was worse. 24 to nothing, 322 yards to 50. yards per play to 1.8. I mean, these are numbers that you never see, let alone two weeks in a row. You have no chance of winning more than three or four games this year if you don't figure out how to avoid getting trampled by your opponent in the first 30 minutes of the game. If this continues... Start watching Bama, start watching Ohio State, start watching Kentucky, start watching Tennessee and Florida, all the quarterbacks that are potential first-round guys. But really watch Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud because Washington, if they continue to do what they've done the last two weeks, they'll be in the hunt for the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. Now, I don't see that happening, but my God. They've been outscored 46 to nothing in the first half the last two weeks, and they've been outgained 572 yards to 106 in two first halves in back-to-back weeks. Good luck the rest of the year if that continues. You know, the bad start yesterday was across the board. Nothing was good other than the very early defense. But leading the way, as mentioned, for me, was an offense that I was genuinely excited about after the first two games, you know, called them out for being horrible in the first half last week, said that it was the O-line, that it was Scott Turner, that it was Carson Wentz, um, and their inability to block Aiden Hutchinson in particular, who didn't play in the second half. Obviously, you know, the the Eagles saw something there, uh, and it was a jailbreak from the jump. Um My biggest, biggest culprit from the game yesterday, number one culprit from the game yesterday, uh, as a group, the offense, disappointed, so disappointed, because they do have playmakers. But I'm really disappointed in a guy that I like a lot, and that is Scott Turner. Scott Turner is a guy that I have thought, you know, I I thought he's done, done a pretty good job 
over the first two plus years. Ron Rivera told Christina Pink from Fox uh, at halftime, the sideline reporter, uh, she said, what went wrong? And he said, we need to protect better and the ball has to be thrown quicker. So that's why I'm going to start with Scott Turner. Okay. A, a fan of his, as mentioned, the plan yesterday was a bad plan, but sticking with the plan to drop back Carson Wentz over and over again against that front four without establishing the run and allowing some of the dropbacks to be off of effective play action because you're running the football was an exercise in banging your head against the wall over and over and over again until all of us were concussed. I was outraged yesterday in the first half because I I thought to myself, what is what am I missing? What is he missing? Maybe it's me, but every single time Carson Wentz drops back, he is under siege. And let's say, maybe some of it's on Carson Wentz. Of the nine sacks that I watched over and over again late last night, seven of them are no chancers, in my opinion. No chancers. Now, maybe he should have recognized at the line of scrimmage, got a problem, got to get it out quickly, but they weren't even blitzes. Uh, on the nine sacks, there were only two extra man pressures. The other seven were four man pressures. And they weren't really trying to trick Carson. You've got to expect that your five are going to be able to block their four. And they couldn't. And Scott Turner, for some reason, didn't realize that. And even if you say, Carson Wentz needs to unload the ball a little bit quicker. Carson Wentz needs to read the defenses a little bit better. Whatever it is, it wasn't working. Scott Turner needed to change it. Whatever the reason was, O-line, Carson Wentz, receivers can't get open. we got to try something different because we're going to get our guy killed and we have no chance of moving the football. The drive that really, I mean, I haven't been that, exercised watching a game in a while but they had just stopped the Eagles on the fourth and one the really good play by Holcomb and Shaka Tony who was in the game on Pascal um, at the Washington eight yard line and they take over and it's only 10 nothing it's still a game and they run Gibson from first and 10 from their own nine yard line for 11 yards And then they drop Carson Wentz back three straight times. He misses badly to Bates. He throws a a, a total, you know, no no possibility of of a conversion throw to Terry McLaurin. And then he gets sacks, fumbles. He recovered this one at his own 13-yard line. What are you doing, Scott? Gibson ran 11 yards on first down. I don't care what you do. Maybe you you don't feel confident in being, being able to establish the run or traditional run. You ran Curtis Samuel on a fly sweep for a big gain on the first play of the game. Go to some gadget runs. Go to some quick screens, quick uh, tunnels, quick throws and bubbles. Get the ball out of his hands quickly. Throw a quick five-yard out to McLaurin, and, and, and let's move the ball that way. I remember the Baltimore game. There was a game early on in the uh, Rivera-Scott Turner tenure here in 2020. uh, Haskins was the quarterback, and they played the Ravens, and they had zero chance of blocking them up, zero. And Turner went horizontal. Ball was just popping out 
left and right quickly to receivers on tons of screens. You know, trying to establish the run, trying to keep him honest, but really just d- doing everything to avoid dropping Dwayne back. And if you recall, if you recall, that was the game where Haskins came in and apparently was talking up his fantasy numbers after the Ravens had destroyed them overall. They lost that game 31 to 17. Um, and, you know, uh, Haskins. Um, completed 32 balls in the game for 314 yards, but a lot of that, a lot of that was quick, out of your hands, get it out. We cannot have you sit back there. And he got sacked three times in that game. I'm looking at the box score right now. And yesterday, I don't know if it's because Scott Turner's on the sideline now and he couldn't see it, but he did not feel the game. He didn't feel what was going on. The reasons for the absolute jailbreak are, I'm sure, numerous. For me, on the nine sacks, seven of them are just on the offensive line. Two of them perhaps are on Carson. But overall, dropping him back that many times is on Scott Turner. And I like Scott Turner, but he had a bad day at the office yesterday. You cannot keep dropping the quarterback back. I um, after the fourth sack in the first half, which happened, I don't know, on the second drive, I tweeted out, I don't know how Carson Wentz has has held on to the ball during these sacks, and the next one he sacked, fumbled, Philadelphia recovered, seventeen nothing. I mean, it, and it's it's true or ten nothing, whatever it became. Um, it was amazing, and and people of course were saying I jinxed it the whole thing. But I'm watching him get bum rushed, and the ball is vulnerable. It's happening so quickly, and people are swiping at the ball, and somehow he didn't lose the ball. Credit to him. Then he lost two, um, one he recovered, and one Philadelphia recovered. But uh, it was a bad, bad day at the office, in my opinion, for Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator. It was a horrible day for the interior in particular on pass protection. Wes Schweitzer was playing center. Uh, you had Norwell and Trey Turner, former Carolina guys, who were completely overwhelmed. Turner and Norwell on at least two occasions both were picked up and thrown into Carson Wentz immediately. Uh, the uh, Sam Cosme struggled yesterday. I'll tell you what, man, Philadelphia, something else, right? What, uh, what the, the defensive coordinator's dream to be able to rush four and play seven in coverage and know that you're going to get there and be disruptive every single drop back. And that's what they were the entire game. Nine sacks, 17 quarterback hits. I don't think I've seen a number that big in a long time. I mean, Brandon Graham, who missed last year, and Philadelphia had some injuries last year to to its defense, and they had players that were out, and they added back to that defense this year. Bradbury, Maddox, I mean, Reddick, um, uh, drafting Jordan Davis, who, by the way, looks like a building. I don't know that I've seen anybody as big as Jordan Davis, their first-round pick out of Georgia in a uniform, look that massive. I think he's 6'6 and 275, something like that. He was at Georgia. Maybe they made him lose weight. Brandon Graham, though, was dominant. Two and a half sacks, five quarterback hits in the game. Sweat was great. 
Hargrave, I think they lost there briefly, um, was outstanding. Uh, they're good. They're really good, and they're well-coached. It is a great organization, Philadelphia. Howie Roseman did a phenomenal job. That organization, fr- you know, top to bottom, first rate right now. The biggest question is, you know, quarterback, they moved on from Wentz. Wentz moved on from them, whatever story you want to believe or however you want to uh, describe it. And they've got a guy on a rookie deal in Jalen Hurts who can flat-out play and is getting better. Now, they'll probably have to pay him. If they go on to win 13 games this year, win 12 or 13 games, and win two playoff games, they're probably going to have to pay him. But uh, he was I – I thought their defense was outstanding. It was outstanding on Monday night against Minnesota. Not as much against Detroit, but you know there are a lot of new players out there. They were great. Washington's interior, in particular, of the offensive line, um, and and Scott Turner were major major problems. And then let me get to Carson Wentz, uh, and I won't bury the lead. He was a D. This was the worst game start to finish for Wentz. He was rattled yesterday. Uh, the pressure early got to him. The sacks got to him. Um, he was inaccurate all day long, and part, a lot of that came after you know the pressure. He didn't handle the pressure well. Again, on the sacks, I'd have to look at all 17 of the hits and the hurries. Um, if he could have got on the sacks, two of them, I would say he had a checkdown opportunity. I haven't seen the all 22. I reserve the right to change my mind on this. I didn't last week. Um, you know, uh, Cooley said a lot of it was on Wentz last week, but he put a lot of it on Turner and the offensive line. All three of them are involved. You know, if you're divvying up the blame pie on pass protection, you know, at this point right now, I'd put 55% of it in Scott Turner's lap, 25% of it, uh, in the offensive line's lap and 20% of it on Carson Wentz. Does that equal a hundred? Actually, I'll go – that does equal 100. I'll, I'll go Scott Turner 60, O-line, third, O-line 25, Wentz 15. Ah, I don't want to do that. I'll stick with the 55, uh, 25, 20. I'll stick with that. I think Wentz was culpable, not as much as, as Scott Turner, knowing what he had up front with a bad offensive line and not adjusting. Come on, dude. You've got some sideways stuff. You've got some horizontal football. You got plenty of those bubbles. You got plenty of those fly sweeps. And by the way, Gibson ran hard yesterday. Gibson ran hard, and I would I would have continued to try that. Not not down twenty four nothing, but down three nothing and ten nothing when he when he had already been sacked four to five times. Uh, also on the list of things that I did not like, um, Rivera's late challenge on the Devonte Smith, um, catch that's on him and, and his, and the operation, you know, Devonte Smith had a catch for 43 yards or 45 yards in a three, nothing game at that point game. You know, you can't miss that. You've got to have a, an operation that I did just because the other team's going quickly. That happens all the time on plays that are close. Teams are going to get up there and try to quick snap it. You got to be quicker than them. You got to have somebody that that buzzes to you and says, "Throw it now." It was obvious. It was not a catch. And you know Rivera, to his credit, took blame for it. We weren't fast enough. 
The play was right there on their sideline, too. That's on the coaching staff. And whatever they've got set up, throw the damn flag. You know, on a play that big, that early in the game, you know, you guys are right there and you have some questions and they're going, hurry up. You might as well take the risk anyway, if you, even if you haven't heard from uh, up top. Anyway, uh, yeah, that wasn't very good. Um, I would also put on the, the things that I didn't like list, uh, well, the defense after the early portion of the game and all the chunk plays. We've kind of already mentioned that. Um, you know, there were some missed tackles in space on some of those chunk plays. The, the Goddard screen, Cam Curl in his first game back, and he had cramps and I think was pulled late in the game. He missed a tackle there. Um, I still love his aggressiveness, and I thought he was a factor early in the game. Uh, Fuller, I think, had a rough game. Um, Dotson had his first drop. You know, he's been so great for the first two games. I don't, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him. It was, it was one of Carson's only legitimate good throws of the game. Um, yeah, so that basically completes the list of the things I didn't like. Here's some other observations, real quickly. Wes Schweitzer was playing center. I thought that the snaps were consistently low, especially early in the game on the shotgun snaps. Um, I don't know if anybody else noticed that. I, I thought that there, there were some snap uh, issues there. Uh, I also thought that the special teams on punt coverage did a pretty good job. They made that guy Covey really feel some pain. Um, on some of those punt returns. By the way, Devontae Smith was back for the first punt return of the game. I don't know if that's new for Philadelphia, but they put him back. He had a 12-yard return, and then it was Covey the rest of the way. Uh, Milne had a nice uh, punt return after the safety. Um, I think it was 29 or 30 yards. I thought he had a couple of opportunities to return other punts, too, um, and he called for fair catches. Um, The crowd, you know, I don't know, guys. I didn't go to the game. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of you did, or some of you did. Probably most most of you didn't. I, I, I got basically ranges from sixty forty Philadelphia to as much as like seventy five twenty five Philadelphia fans. I mean, on TV watching the game, if you weren't even thinking about it, and then somebody said who's the home team based on the crowd noise, I would have said Philadelphia is the home team. And obviously, the Philadelphia fans had a lot more to cheer for, but you know. I don't know why we we sort of inflict pain uh, upon ourselves um, week after week with this. We know that this has been an issue for years now. We know Philadelphia and Dallas fans are the biggest, you know, takeovers. Um, they're going to take over the stadium. I, I did say last week, I said, it's not going to be as bad as it's been, that maybe it could be 50-50. Uh, nobody, nobody that was there told me it was 50-50. Everybody that was there said, you know, worst case, it was – Worst case for Washington, it was 60-40 Philadelphia fans. But I did have a couple people say 75-25 at least. But, you know, it all depends, too, in those situations, your perspective, right, where you're sitting. Um, So the last thing I'll get to before we get to Doc. uh, Well, let me just say this. Next week's game feels a little bit like a Jay Gruden Code Red game, even though it's only the fourth game of the season. Uh, you gotta you gotta go beat the Cowboys with Cooper Rush if you're gonna if you're gonna actually be um, a team that is serious about contending for a competitive season or a winning season. I won't say playoffs, um, but 
Dallas is good on defense. They are well coached on defense. They've got maybe the best defensive player in the league, certainly one of them. Um, you know, it's hard to say that when Aaron Donald is still in the league, but Micah Parsons is, you know, a top five defensive player right now in this league. Uh, and they, they are physical and looking at what Philadelphia did uh, on Sunday, Scott Turner better have a plan to make Carson Wentz, uh, to get that ball out of his hands quickly. You've got playmakers. I don't care how many sideways throws and you better think about figuring out how to run the football. Brian Robinson's not going to be back, but you've got to try to get 24 Gibson going. I don't care if if it's McKissick. I don't care if you spread the field with five wides and and you, you, and or with four with four wides with McKissick in the backfield, and you run McKissick, but you got to run the football. You've got to start playing some complementary football. Yesterday, the offense gave you no chance. I mean, they scored nine points. They ended up with stats that made it look like this somehow they weren't incompetent, but they were. Um, all right, the last thing I wanted to get to real quickly is some information that I got last night. So for those of you that missed it, Adam Schefter reported before the game yesterday that Washington and San Francisco – had the parameters of a trade agreement in place that would have sent Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, to Washington, um, and that that deal was in place at the NFL scouting combine, uh, but it fell apart once Garoppolo decided to have shoulder surgery. Now, some of you are going to say, is this really news? We've heard about Garoppolo. They went after everybody. Remember, Sheehan, Martin Mayhew told you he called all 32 teams, which is kind of funny. It's like, why would you call Kansas City? You think they're going to trade Mahomes? Or why would you call Pittsburgh, who had no quarterbacks? Like, and, and Mayhew kind of amended that, you know, after the fact. But, um, you know, and Garoppolo was one of those names mentioned as a quarterback that Washington would probably look into. Uh, but the news here is that Washington and San Francisco, according to Schefter, had the parameters of a trade agreement in place. And then Garoppolo decided to have shoulder surgery. Um, so Adam Schefter is really good at what he does. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have a source outside of the organization Washington's organization that told me last night um, the following. Uh, there were parameters were never discussed and nothing was in place before shoulder, before uh, the shoulder surgery for Garoppolo. And this is a source that I would trust very much. Now, again, am I going to put my reporting ability up against Schefter's? No, and that's not what I do. I'm just telling you, when I read this, and, you know, it's amazing. Like, the whole notion of, it's game day, Sheehan. And and I wasn't ready to sit there and, 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 and give you all my thoughts, you know, an hour before kickoff. But we all can do more than one thing at once. I mean, one of the reasons it's interesting is because Ron Rivera told us how Carson Wentz was always the target. He talked to Joe Gibbs, and Joe Gibbs wanted the big quarterback, and that's why they got Carson Wentz. And this was after they had tried to trade for a little quarterback in Russell Wilson. Well, of course, I'm not expecting him to admit that Carson Wentz wasn't plan A or plan B. 
Okay, and I'm not suggesting that he should have said something like that. But he just went so overboard in trying to sell that this was the guy they, they wanted all along. And he brought Joe Gibbs into the conversation. That Gibbs approved. You know, Gibbs, well, you know, convinced me. It's a big quarterback. Meantime, they had just, you know, had a chance or they thought they had a chance at getting one of the smallest quarterbacks in the game, Russell Wilson. But the many of you, the first reaction was, well, it was Jimmy G before Carson Wentz. That may be true. And that may be true whether Schefter's report is 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 right or wrong. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, Garoppolo ultimately got shoulder surgery, and all of the teams that were interested backed off. I do think what would have been kind of interesting is Jimmy Garoppolo, had he not been hurt and decided on uh, shoulder surgery, I think he would have cost a lot more than Wentz. I mean, if you just do kind of simple logic, there was a market for Garoppolo before shoulder surgery, and then the market completely dried up. No one was interested. They wanted him right away, and then they were there was concern about the shoulder surgery and the fact that he'd be coming in so late. Um, but Garoppolo had some suitors. Carson Wentz didn't have any other than Washington. And so Garoppolo would have probably cost you I mean, Carson Wentz cost them multiple twos, you know, a second and a third, the third, which we think will become a second if he plays enough this year. <laughs> Who knows after getting hit, you know, sacked nine times in a game. By the way, real quickly, Mark Schlereth, who was calling the game yesterday, 31 years ago was a starter on the offensive line for the greatest Super Bowl champion team of all time, the 91 Skins. Uh, that team allowed nine sacks in an entire season. And he watched Carson Wentz get sacked nine times in one game. Uh, anyway, uh, the point being, if Garoppolo hadn't gotten shoulder surgery, who knows? Maybe Washington and San Francisco were talking, even though, again, my source says parameters weren't in place and a deal wasn't necessarily imminent because he was heading to shoulder surgery. But if he wasn't and they had traded for Jimmy G, I think they would have given up more. Because, you know, Wentz was going to get cut more likely than not. Now, Washington, this is the problem I had. I think Washington overpaid. I certainly feel like Washington should not have taken on the entire contract, which would have maybe enabled them to keep some players or sign some new players so that they, you know, didn't have, <clears throat> you know, um, wild goose out on the, on the field yesterday <laughs> playing, playing in the secondary. Uh, but anyway... The timing of it, somebody said, Sheena, are you going to go through the timing of this? Well, um, first of all, at this point, I'm not sure Schefter's information is accurate. But let's just assume Washington and San Francisco were talking and then it was told to Washington Garoppolo is going to have shoulder surgery and Washington said no. Um, the timing of it is that they basically found out on or around March 1st or March 2nd, that they were out on Russell Wilson. Seattle informed them a week before the deal got announced, according to that story in ESPN, that they were out. So on March 1st, March 2nd, they learned they were out on Russell Wilson. That was obviously their big swing. March 3rd to March 6th, they're at the Indy Scouting Combine, and they're talking probably to everybody, but they, you know, at least according to Schefter, they're talking pretty significantly with San Francisco. Garoppolo then 
is just a ops for surgery, by the way, on March 8th, just literally two days after the combine. And maybe it was known during the combine that he was going to get the surgery. And then March 9th, it's reported that Wentz was traded to Washington. So that's kind of the timeline on that. Do I think that in order it was Wilson, Garoppolo, and then Wentz? Probably. I mean, there may be quarterbacks we don't even know. I mean, look, the first tier, the big swings, which is what I advocated from the jump, which were, you know, the Rodgers, Wilson, Watson, I mean, to a certain degree. Um, Then it became, you know, the Garoppolo, Wentz, Carr, Trubisky conversations. Um, And, you know, the idea of landing with a big swing was kind of a long shot all along. And uh, look, I don't. I, I give them credit for being aggressive going after a quarterback in the offseason. I wish that they didn't pick up a $28 million uh, salary. I wish they had gotten the Colts to eat at least half of Wentz's contract. And Garoppolo, as Ben Standing reminded me this morning, only had one year left on his deal. So Wentz is, a, is in a different situation. And I don't know the difference between Wentz and Garoppolo. Who cares at this point? Let me just mention this lastly. Ron Rivera was asked about this after the game, and he got very sensitive and was really pissed off at the question and said it's not true. And by the way, again, my source tells me that Ron Rivera is right, that there weren't parameters in place. But you just got your ass kicked by the Eagles. Don't even entertain that question. I'm not saying it's a bad question to ask. I'm just saying as the head coach, the answer is, I'm not talking about that. I don't even know what you're talking about. We just got our ass kicked. And we got Dallas coming up. I'll talk about the game today. But he addressed it twice in his press conference after the game. Uh, Oh, as far as the post story from Saturday that Maskey and Nikki and Liz Clark had, Nikki Javala, Mark Maskey, and and Liz Clark from the Washington Post, um, about more owners being interested in voting Snyder out, more owners being interested in trying to convince him to sell. My answer to that is this, very simply put. I am not holding my breath on a 24-man vote to oust him. I don't think that's going to happen. I, the bottom line is there's the, the Sarver thing is different from the Snyder thing because race is involved. There's nothing that's ever been in any accusation, allegation about Snyder that involves race. And race is the one that gets them all, all right? No matter, no matter how strongly you feel that a toxic workplace and misogyny and sexual harassment with your employees and, a, and, a, and a overseeing a, a culture like the one Washington had, that's not going to get you like, you know, some sort of racial insensitivity. And that's never been alleged against Snyder. So I don't think there's a chance in hell that they'll ever get to 24 votes. Do I think that the other part of this is interesting, that more owners feel compelled to come forward to ask him and try to and try to get him to sell? I do. I still think that that's a long shot, not as long of a shot as him being voted out, but I think it's a long shot. Um, but the bottom line is this is a disaster of an NFL market. The owners would love to see new ownership here, but Snyder is a dig your heels in kind of a guy. At the same time, the team would sell for six billion plus. 
And maybe the owners could sweeten that. Maybe the other 31 owners could sweeten the pot and say, we'll come up with another half billion between us and throw it in there for you to get rid of the team. You know, it's just not working, Dan. 23 years and one of the marquee NFL markets has eroded into nothing. And when on days like yesterday, too, it really escalates that feeling among owners because they're looking at, you know, FedEx field as well. And they're seeing the takeover and they're seeing the team that's just horrible on the field and a team that just can't get out of their own way, even with better people in the organization. Uh, I would say 0% chance that he ever gets voted out. And unless let me put one caveat in there, Mary Jo White or some of these, one of these investigations uncovers something that we don't know about. Uh, but the chances of him eventually selling are 10%. That they either convince him or he decides on his own or his family decides for him. We got to get the fuck out of this thing. You're a disaster. You're despised. We're, we've ruined this for a wonderful city and a wonderful fan base. Let's take the $6 billion and move to the Amalfi Coast. All right, Doc Walker is going to join us right after these words from a few of our sponsors. All right, let's welcome onto the podcast my good friend Doc Walker, who was at the game yesterday. Um, for, a little, for a little while you were at the game. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it had to be one of those first quarters and first halves that you threw up in your mouth three times. Yeah, I did. I was in shock. I couldn't believe what I was seeing because we were manhandled. And Turner and Noel, guys who have – I've been pulling for them, and, but I've been hoping more than expecting – and look, we've seen this before. I mean, the one thing the sheriff did, he didn't get destroyed by the best defensive lineman in the, you know, in the conference, maybe in the country. And we just got, oh, we got manhandled, and um, I felt really bad. I hate feeling bad for the team I'm pulling for. But I felt bad for them. But the defense came out in the first couple possessions. I thought, you know, we had a shot, and then we didn't. And at that point, it was... <laughs> It was very, very – it was embarrassed. I was embarrassed is all I can say about it. And I'm not trying to be funny. I was embarrassed by it. And there was no where to turn because there's like nobody you could put in to be better. I mean, I did have my canine. I did get some guys that St. Juice was impressive. Yeah, We were around the ball. We forced some punts. Um, I got to pull something out of it because I can't – you know, I can't quit. I can't leave, and it's Dallas week. So I've already moved on, and I'm just now hopeful that we can get somebody that can block this kid number 11 for Dallas and see if we have a chance. When you called me, um, I think it was shortly before you made the decision to exit the stadium. because Yeah, yeah, I threw up. I I couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't. couldn't. Yeah, um, Couldn't take it. What what angered you or upset you the most in that early portion of the game? That they didn't sense that Carson was out of sync. He could not handle the immediate pressure, and he held on to the ball instead of throwing it away. And I mean, it was a jailbreak on him. And but you got to have 
Williams got in the game way too late. Mm-hmm. Not the 24 ran his butt off. I wasn't disappointed in any of our guys, but one of our best players, 82, was like not even in the plan. And so we went from having the, the triplets and then having a, 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 a stature at tight end to where we were just out of sync and we didn't recover. You know, and, and with Turner on the sidelines, you got to feel it. It was right in front of you. You got to see that something's not happening, and wh- how do we fix it? It's like a fire drill that you expect to see in camp, but we, we didn't have a, a, a solution for it. And so to get knocked around that way at a pro level, it, it's just not feasible. Yeah, I mean, that's what I talked about in the open is I just, yeah. I, I you, you know, I, I actually kind of like Scott Turner, and I think he's done I a do pretty, pretty decent job. I do too. But yeah. he, he, how he couldn't feel the game, that yeah. the drop back with Carson with an immediate rush was not going to work, and you got to adjust on the fly. I mean, I know they like Brian Robinson, and hopefully he'll be back in two weeks, and maybe he is the difference maker, and they'll be they'll become a slobber knocker, you know, manhood run it down your throat team. I'd give I would give Gibson that chance yesterday. They they ran him on an eleven yard play after they got that red zone stop and then ran it and then threw it three times and Carson at that point had already been sacked about a hundred times and hit a hundred and fifty times and was so rattled he had the big boy tight end eighty seven Bates wide open and missed him by yeah. ten feet I, I don't Turner really disappointed yeah. me yesterday I can't do you think that he's down there and he can't feel it that he could have seen it better from up top. You know, I heard you when you said that. I didn't think of it uh, at the time. Because when you've got two big horses, 320-pound horses in front of you, you don't expect them to get beat like a turnstile. I mean, at some point, you just got to say, I wanted to move the pocket. Of course, it's easy to do this. I was sitting in a couch, you know, (laughs) upstairs. But when you're down there, you know, it looks easier than it really is, right. but that's what they're paid for. I'm not paid for that. They are. And it's just inexcusable. You cannot say that you are beaten that way after the defense gives you a couple stops. We finally had people actually in the vicinity of the guy they were throwing the ball to. And um, Wild Goose, that's what I will say. I thought London Fletcher was on point. He panicked. He didn't have to grab him because he was all over him. The guy couldn't outrun him. And, you know, it took a great catch and a bad, you know, um, call. And I knew you would – boy, I thought about you. I said, Kevin's going to lose his mind if we don't challenge this. And um, to their not credit, they did acknowledge that they just blew it. So everybody's making mistakes. Nobody's got their A game on. And, oh, by the way, the game was Sunday. And so all week you're supposed to peak – on Sunday, not Monday, not at the podium. You peak on the field on game day. So, I mean, I just you, – <laughs> see, you – I'm not coming on the show anymore. I'm saying this is my last appearance because, see, uh, this is you're, serious. Hold on. Okay. I, I know it's serious, okay. but, you know, it's just like – it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, you can do this. Well, when we do this thing, we, we, we do this every year. 
it happened. This has been happening, and we've been having these conversations for twenty years, and it just it just never changes. I no. mean, I, look, you know me. Well, why would it? You know, why would it change? Well, it's not never going to change. The same guy it, making the decision. Yeah, you're never going. It's never going to change. You, you, it's never going to change. I know, but how do you get at the NFL level? With an, with an NFL coaching staff. I mean, forget yeah. whatever you think about Ron Rivera, you think he's yeah. good, you think he's bad, you think he's somewhere in between. I think he's somewhere in between. I don't have to think. Um, no, no. I don't have you to think can't, anything. You can't. Everybody give, has a record. Everybody has a record. You can't it's give. It's documented. You can't. Well, he's got a winning overall record. Um, but you can't. Yeah. Okay, good. You can't get beat 46 to nothing in two halves back-to-back weeks and get out gained five, five to one. I mean, they were not—they were not an NFL football team on offense last week yeah. or this week in the first half, and that's supposed to be yeah. their strength. I know it's, it's staggering, isn't it? And then would they get pissed off about because somebody asked about Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> yeah. That shows you the—that oh. shows you the whole where the brain is at. You know, I mean, first of all, why wouldn't they have been looking at Jimmy Garoppolo? They should have been looking at. Tonto, Jane, anybody they could to improve from where they were. And they did. They yeah, did, to they their did. credit. But that had nothing to do with the game. There's a game coming on. You got an opponent to punt a couple of times. You upgrade it by distraction. They said, oh, they said, Williams, this guy's not playing. I go, who cares? We've seen him play. <laughs> Williams, I said, good. I want to see more people, different people. I'm sick of the ones they've been putting out there. Good. And the kid comes out there, wild goose, some guys make some plays, St. Juice is thrown on the corner. That wasn't why they lost. I mean, you're playing a really good football team, and you knew that. But, you know, I've gone by this notion for many, many years. I think everybody in the NFL is good. It's just some have a better feel for their personnel. When you can't figure your own personnel out, we got a problem. You know, that's what you're supposed to do in the offseason and summer camp. This ain't the time to do that. Throw your best card out there. Let's see what happens. 24 ran well. They guys ran hard. It's a different style of running. It's an attitude deal. Here's what I say to up front, and I know you know how I feel about Masco. Masco, the offensive line coach. I go, look, okay, it's ironic that both guys we got once again, they're from Carolina. Carolina. Okay, so that's a known, all right? So clearly there's a soft spot for people that have been in Ron's past. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best for the program, and right now it's blowing up in his face because they're not. They're not. And so you got to think, well, no, you ain't got to do nothing. We just live with it, and it'll play itself out. But this week against Dallas, I'm hopeful that, you know, we'll be able to put that game as the focus. That's all I care about, going down to beat Dallas and, and try to stay in this. As bad as it looked and feels, it's September. You still got a shot in this. But you're not going to be able to – Talk your way out of this one. The people that you train are going to have to actually look like they've been coached. Yeah. Um, you're not thinking that – you haven't made a decision on Carson Wentz yet, have you? I'm talking about Carson yeah, Wentz I was here. Very high. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very high on Carson even after Detroit. He showed me that mentally he, he wasn't – he didn't fall apart. You know it's going to be tough. There's demons there, man. He's thinking about a lot of things, but he was able to control it. 
come out and make some big plays. Uh, even his demeanor, his podium deal, amen, the dude, had, he did, they did, that didn't break him. I think he, now, now we can start moving forward. You know, when Sabah, our favorite uh, caller, she called me as well, and I said, Sabah, under any other circumstance, I would agree with you. But you could not take him out of, against Philly in those circumstances because you got $28 million tied up in him, and he's shown you that he's not a bust, that he's capable, and you can do some great things with him with these receivers. But it was their poorest performance. It was the least productive that even the best that we have were. Right. You know, and so my Nittany Lions was normal. And, again, he hadn't been normal yet. Uh, and I didn't get the chance to, to really um, – I, I think that Carson is showing you what he likes to do and who he likes to do it with. But when you can't get Logan Thomas involved successfully, that's not good. And it's one of those games where Logan didn't stand out. He should always stand out. He's that good. But he really didn't. And in interior – you got a new center, really a new right guard who just got into pads like less than a month ago. And then Noel, it's just we know that you got to protect his grill. His grill is right in front of him. Yeah. So center and two guards are very important to this guy. And he just, for the life of me, does not believe in checkdowns. And so I, I just, they got to solve it, they got to get it fixed in a hurry. Because they're playing even a better guy this week, or as good as the Eagles. Because it's the NFL every week. You can't hide. We can't hide it. You know, we have to. We have to get this done that way. I didn't think that Heineken would have been fared any different, other than he would have moved more better in the pocket, and that might have been a, a solution, but not in that game. Not for the psyche. It's a long haul. We're in September, man. Look at the league. I mean, Buffalo lost. The people, so everybody's mortal. You just got to be able to dial it in and figure out who your best people are. You know, and I just, I mean, Chris Paul, in my opinion, um, the seventh rounder, you, you got to crank him up and see what we can get. Because I think that the jury's out up front. We're old, and where we used to be once upon a time be physical, I don't really see that. If we're not going to run the ball, then you got to get them them oil tankers out of there. Play to their strength, <laughs> or you got to move them out. Yeah, well, you, you, who are you moving them out for? I, the the thing. Well, that's that, what I said. Chris Paul's there. You drafted. You got a guy. You made your team. Coach him up. Get him in there. Can't be worse. See, that's the problem with we get stuck on people here. Is if you have no alternative. If you have no alternative, that's your fault. Yeah. You know, we're not broke. I mean, we did have money. Make something happen. There's a lot of people out there right now trying to change the future. Then that place ought to be like Graham Central Station over there on Mondays, working people out like it used to be, working people out. Keep panning for gold. Don't give up. It's September. They but for God's sake, I don't think they'll give up. You got to know what you have. I don't think. Well, I hope not. Yeah, they haven't done I hope that. Not. They haven't done that here. Yeah. Um, I hope not. What was the twelfth man situation like yesterday? Well, it was active because Philadelphia made it active. I'm talking and, about, uh, yeah. Oh, it was good. I thought our people competed. It's not on the crowd. It's not on the crowd. It's not on the crowd at all. You know, there was a good energy there. Was it a road Give game? Something. Was it a road game? Well, it was, it was, it was 60-40, yeah. I'd say 
That's better than 80-20. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, what do you expect? These people have paid money. They've been loyal. They've done everything you've asked of them. And every Monday they go to work, and they got to be humiliated to the coworkers. So come on. You, you've asked enough, and they've delivered. It ain't about the people. It ain't about the people. It's about execution. You know, we can't get close. Drum Payne's defining what this is all about. Mm. He's taking it upon himself, getting the job done. John Allen was much healthier, and you saw. He was a wrecking ball in there. I don't understand Sweat. He's got effort. He's got length. He's got speed. He's got all this. Can't get home. He, he, and he's a second off. He's so close. Can we fix that? Can we find some way to get him game changer? Whole season would change. He's that close. But for some reason, you know, he's not getting the prize. So I'd like to figure that out. And it's like whether maybe it's his approach. He's either taking insight. He seems to be just a little bit out of alignment. But in effort, everything's great. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen the game again. I watched the first quarter again last night, and I just couldn't take it. I just, it's just, <laughs> it, you know, it's like taking, it's like watching taking your kids out to yeah. the soccer game. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, all, it's, all right. it's not even October yet. And no, here, I know. I know. We've gone through this. No, but, but it's Dallas week. It's, it's uh, Dallas well, week. Well, okay. I, look, no, no, don't you do that. No, 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 I am, I, I think, I thought that they would compete yesterday. I thought, Phil, I, yeah. look, I think Philadelphia is really good. Oh, really good. They're and, really good. and I mean, I think they could go to the Super Bowl very easily. And yeah, I they're and, really good. and I and I thought Hurts yesterday, and I, I don't know if you heard me talk about this, and we didn't talk about it yeah, before we started. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, every last year the big issue with Hurts was decision making and just being able to hang in the pocket on third down and deliver. Well, he did that yesterday. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, I'm I'm, right. I'm with you on the defense. There was effort. Yeah. There were stops early. Yeah. Now they gave up the yeah. big plays again, but they had guys like Wild Goose out there. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, but he was there. Yeah, but he was at least well, twenty five was, was there all day. Twenty five was he there was all nice. day. Nice. Oh, I love him. I he think... gave him a canine. I gave him a. I gave him a dog bone. Okay. Because he earned it. He earned it, and he was thrown into service late. And I go, okay, I like what I saw with this kid. He's given me reason to believe that we're headed in the right direction with him. I just when you say it's Dallas week, it's not. Yeah, it it's well, I know it is because they're playing Dallas on Sunday. Yeah, okay? but you're trying to downplay it. I can. I know what you're doing. I'm not letting that happen. <laughs> well, you can't. No, you exactly don't have any choice. You don't have any choice but yeah, to no, let it no, happen. No, no, no. What it's, I'm going to tell you yeah. is what, it, 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 and it's and it's the way you feel too. But but I but I'll admit it, and you won't. It may be Dallas week because they're playing Dallas. But it's not Dallas week. As Lefty Drizel no. once said when he was playing a game outside the continental United States in Hawaii, and that was a game that didn't count toward his schedule, he said, well, you know, I don't know. It's not in the no. United <laughs> States. The, the game is in Hawaii. He said, well, but you know, it's not in the United States. And this yeah. is Dallas week, but it ain't Dallas week. Come on. Well, I mean. The deal. What? I will not be listening at 6 a.m. <laughs> this week. I can tell you that right now because I know what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not letting that happen okay. because this is all I have left. I have nothing else left. This is it. And I just think that this fan base, you know how many people 
called me on the post-game show last night and said they're done. And I'm begging people, please do not jump off the raft. I go, it's September. Now you know that Ron's teams traditionally start slow, and he's done nothing to change that. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so the same formula, same recipe, mm-hmm. going to get the same results. So you got to count on the fact that they're going to get better. Now, I think the savior, uh, again, will be in Tennessee, and we'll all be going wild just in the nick of time. That's why I'm really confident because I feel like I'm holding the eight wait, in wait, my car. In what's my deck. the savior? What's the savior? The eight car, Robinson. Oh, okay. Yeah, Robinson. The only thing that can save this season to me is getting something out of the offensive line and pass blocking ain't it. So it's got to be run blocking. And if they don't, if they can't pass block and they can't run block, then what the hell are they doing on your team? So I'm waiting on the acre, but I got to wait beyond that. That's Tennessee. For right now, I just got to hope. And I got to hope that Carson now got that eagle thing out of his system. Now look at this and think to yourself, we, 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 they got really a badass over there. But, you know, we've seen badasses in the NFL. And so, and you got Bates, and I'm, I'm so, thank God, Bates is healthy. The poor kid, he's basically having to play guard at the end of the, of the line. Mm-hmm. And, but he's helping out. He's doing a great job. And I think they'll be able to look at the film. Can you imagine sitting in there today and looking at this film? <laughs> Well, oh my I, God. well, you heard me earlier. I, if I yeah, hear, if yeah. I hear, if I hear President Ron, <laughs> oh yeah, oh you're going to hear. It. If, I, if I hear, him, if I hear him hear. say, we yeah. had players that just didn't play the scheme. <laughs> I, I'm going to vomit yeah. in my mouth. Yeah, because to, well. because today's not the day. You know what? Even if he's right, you can't say that today. You got yeah, your ass kicked so badly yesterday. You weren't an NFL team in the first half yesterday. Not even the second half. I barely even paid attention because there was there were real football games going on on other stations well, and zone. on the red yeah, zone. I saw that. I hate the red zone because it 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 it, it is it's the future. <laughs> and and, we're, and we're never on it unless go. we're on defense. Yeah, and you you never see the game, and that's what most people around right. here are going to start getting used to. We don't want to see the game. You know, we just want to see uh, – it's like Green Bay. Green Bay, horrible. Again, Aaron, people dropping. You go, okay, eventually the cream rises to the top. Yeah. And it will perform. It will get there. That's what I don't know here. Like, I, 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 go, I look at them, I go, okay, we got players. You know last week how excited I was. Man, all right, people, we, 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 we can get this done. Then the thing that I hang my hat on got destroyed. Yeah, I know that was the biggest yeah, I mean, disappointment. The, exactly. That, that, that's it. That's it to me. So now, now I'm a little. Now I'm shaky because I'm thinking, well, hell, I can hang my hat on that, but I can't make them play bully ball. I can't make them do anything. Right. But to me, that seems like the best way to go. And and it wasn't on Gibson. Gibson ran his I agree. butt off. I agree. I yeah, like so that I wasn't like it. But anyway, um, I like him. No, look, who do you not like? I like the team. I like the their I skill like position the players, but if you're going to yes. drop the quarterback back, you know, yesterday, if you're not going to play bully ball, which they don't feel like doing, maybe they can't, and, no, and they don't trust, like and they don't trust Gibson to do it. You got to, you right. got to do what you hate. 
you got to go horizontal. You got to get the ball out quick on bubbles, on tunnels, on quick screens, on go. five. You just go. get get Terry McLaurin on the first play of the game on a quick five. Yeah. You know, five yard out. You yeah. cannot drop back eleven when the interior line looks like <laughs> pony league. I, you can't do that. Now, now, um, I want to just ask you this because I know you. Okay. I know you watched it. What did you think of the Terps on Saturday? I was so proud of Mike Loxley and his staff for convincing their team that they have to play smart football. They had one penalty. Yep. Uh, maybe in the two minutes warning, going two minutes left, they were. They're so talented. To me, they belong. That was the game to all the people that just love the ACC. Okay, so look stop. at this and go. And no, no, this you're part of it. You're the chairman of the board. I know that. I, 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 yeah, I took it that broke, way. Broke, and you'd be in the ACC. You'd be broke. Mm, okay. Now you're about to get rich. <laughs> and if you don't <laughs> f up, if you don't f up the spending, yeah. You now are going to become a go a, a treasure chest of going. Hey, you don't need a Parker boots and a shovel. You can come to the University of Maryland and still be in the Big Ten. I'm telling you, their skill they look so good, and they punched Michigan in the mouth, and Michigan responded by going, "We got a few more weapons than you do." And when the ball comes off your returner's face mask to start the game, and you spot them seven <laughs> points. Yeah. And I, and I got an explanation. Brian Carpenter, former Wolverine, said the way that place is shaped, when you're not ready for it, when you look up, it's a lower bowl. Yeah. So you, you're looking at fans well, you and know, the you, ball. You've been in it. Well, I've been in it, but I'm just yeah. saying. I, he explained it. I've never caught a kickoff yeah. there. And he explained to why the guy is tough. It wasn't like he was an imbecile. It's tough. Yeah. So anyway, you spot an opponent that way. They impressed me, but I don't want to be passing out I know. candy they lost. when we lose. That's what we do here. I, I don't think you know. We're always looking for the silver lining with this pro team, and it just makes me sick that we can never evaluate it for what it is and just move forward to get to the next game. We got to cover it up and make a bunch of excuses. Talk about Jimmy and Garoppolo. Then, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Big thing. First of all. I was like, I mean, who would think of even bringing that up on game day? Well, I mean, that's what happens on game day. Every Sunday you get these reports about different things. Um, the funny thing is that, well, no, whatever. I, I've already talked. I've already talked about it in the open uh, of the podcast. But I, I just, in, in in when you are coming off an ass kicking like the one you received and are were on the end of yesterday. And somebody asks you that, you don't get sensitive about it. You just say, I'm not going to talk about that right now. I don't even know what report you're talking about. We just got our ass kicked, and we got the Cowboys yeah, I next. I, I mean, I it, it, needs, it needs to be about their football team, not about what happened last January or March and, and what yeah, Adam Schefter I, reported. Jesus, God. Yeah, the, but, but, the, but why, should, why wouldn't they have been looking towards it? Why wouldn't they? Win oh, the yeah, quarterback they, been, they were looking for everybody. What was the news? They were looking yeah. for everything. No, so well, what, the, was the, what was the big thing? Well, did somebody think they broke something? Yeah, he well, he did. He had new information, which said that oh, Washington on. and San Francisco had a deal in place 
for multiple yeah, draft picks and Garoppolo was coming to Washington until Garoppolo decided like, you know, the next day he was going to get shoulder surgery. By the way, somebody somebody tweeted me and said, do you think he went and got that shoulder surgery so he wouldn't get traded to Washington? <laughs> <laughs> now that's good. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, but this man. media, I'll I, I give credit to these people in the media. They have created a market for themselves to make them relevant and that people would care. That would never have entered me one iota. No, Not well, on game. I wouldn't even have considered it. <laughs> well, you're, you're, as a player you, as a player and coach, you shouldn't. Yeah. But, yeah I, 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 don't, I yeah. don't understand why anybody, even though, even those that make a living wagering, it didn't do anything to that. Oh, I, I it can, had no effect. I, I can multitask. I can I can oh, I be in, I can well, be no, interested in more than one thing at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. I can understand it for yeah. the spread. Now I'm with you, but that <laughs> to me was just useless data. Yeah. It meant nothing. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the happiest guy in America. Well, he, here's I mean, <laughs> he, here, he, Well, by the way, he looked awful last night. Um, here's where it's interesting to a lot of people that follow this football team. Ron and his group told you that Carson was always their number one. That's who they always wanted. Now, what else is he going to say after they've yeah, traded for him? That he was there, he was plan F? No, yeah, you're not going to say that, but you, they went overboard in talking about yeah. meantime, we know they tried to trade for Russell Wilson, and now yeah. we know that oh, they were talking God, now we know they were talking to the 49ers at the Combine about trading for Garoppolo. I just um yeah. as I mentioned in the open to this show, the, the parameters according to Schefter, I was told were not actually in place. But whatever. It's yeah. hey, you know what yeah. it is this week? It's yeah. Dallas week. It's Dallas week, yeah. And don't you ruin it, please. Do you know what somebody said don't to you me? Ruin it. And maybe you saw this. I have to find this. Somebody sent me something, it was some sort of poll, it may have been a Twitter poll of Redskin fans that said that their number one rival now is Philadelphia. And that only people, <laughs> only your father's and grandfather's rival, first rival, I can see that. is Dallas. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. I, I like the proximity. I mean, I really feel that we way We haven't done Philly. much better against Philly. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying, I feel that way about hockey. I figure that way about all of our city. Oh, I don't care about that. This the whole proximity. Myth, well, I just think Dallas is Dallas. It was this. It was the number one rivalry in in the NFL. Yeah, one of the top five know, rivalries in sports yeah, for thirty years. I know it was. Yeah. There was a lot of things. But the was. Eagles don't consider us a rival. They consider the Cowboys no, their chief rival. No, no, or no. Giants. New York. Or the Giants. Giants are their rival. Yeah, but you talk yeah, to everybody a real hates Dallas. Yeah, true. Everybody's I don't think they, any. You know, I don't think anybody feels anything for us anymore. Seriously, in the division. But why would you? I know, but that's what makes me really sad. Well, because I they know. used to hate I, us right, as much as right. we hated them, all three of them, and now yeah. we're the one that they. Well, whatever. It's Washington. Well, you got the fan base. That's the one thing that won't go away. No matter what happens, Dallas fan is identified. He gets his self worth. His self-esteem for being noted or famous in Washington. When they put that hat on, they grow an inch. It does something for them, and they know <laughs> they that they will get the last. You mean Clay they from five three they, to five four? Well, I mean, well, I'm just saying. I've never seen. It shows you the hu- human human mm-hmm. beings and how what a what a real need it is to be accepted. 
people have a real desire to be a part of something that makes them feel better than they can ever feel, <laughs> even if they do nothing. Cowboy fans to deserve it. Yeah, it's the it's the best. They're on national TV I've again tonight. They're on national TV I know, no, again. They're on every week, and you know what? I finally admit, I don't blame them. TV executives understand this. They control this sport. They know that no matter whether they win or lose, they're gonna they draw numbers. Advertisers are attracted to them. They are the best marketing thing in sports. You know who they're not and on national TV not against? <laughs> Washington this week. One no. o'clock. All right. I, I got to go. Yeah. Well, you're uh, right. Okay. Well, yeah, I do. No, too. I, I, know, I know you yeah. do. That's why yeah. you told me yeah. you had a limited amount. Go uh, Rick's got to go to work. Um, Doc's uh, podcast. What are you playing today? What are you teeing off? I'm not playing at all. Doc's podcast okay. is on Patreon. Um, you can find it at patreon.com uh, slash Doc Walker. Uh, he is on the Team 980. Now, what days are you on this week? Uh, Monday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Monday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday after the game, um, yeah. back on 980-12-3. But my presence is filled every day. I know it is. All right. I yeah, will talk to you day. later. Thank you. I look forward to tomorrow morning. Yes. <laughs> and please do not kill this rivalry. Good day. Because you got the power to do that. See you. And I'm asking you, I'm, don't I, do that. I, I got to vote on the mascot. I mean, they're putting shit out today about the mascot. I mean – <laughs> oh, you already know what it is. A dog or cat. I don't or, care. It's it, the it, name it, of the mascot. This is very important. Very important, you know, for, for wait, the organization. I'm not. I, you serious? You, well, you know I'm not serious, but they are. They, they, they're, 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 they're pushing this mascot thing, but, you know, about voting for the mascot. I mean, seriously. I mean, <laughs> on a day like after yesterday, I, I, personally, if I were in charge, I'd tell them, turn social media off. Don't tweet out anything for at least two days, and then we'll start pumping yeah. up the Dallas game. Yeah, but you're right. But see, here's the difference between you and them. You've actually done this for a living. <laughs> and a lot of these people, it's their first gig. I got to go. Later, brother. See. Appreciate it. Doc Give my Walk- best to cool dog. Okay. All right, let's finish up the show by going around the NFL, and I'll talk a little bit at the very end about Maryland's loss to Michigan. The biggest plays and the clutch moments. It's time to go around the NFL. Gresham steps away, throwing tip, incomplete. The Packers are going to win it. Devondre Campbell says no, no. He got his hands on it. And Green Bay's going to hang on. That was the two-point conversion at the end of the Tampa Bay-Green Bay game, uh, one of the more anticipated games of the weekend. And, look, that was a defensive battle. I think Green Bay had a chance early for a big lead. Aaron Jones fumbled going in. But how about Brady? Uh, they had done nothing offensively. He was missing everybody. No no uh, Evans, no Godwin, no Julio Jones. But yet he figures out how to drive him 90 yards at the end of the game for a touchdown. And then that two-point conversion followed a delay of game penalty where it looked like Brady thought he had a timeout left. Remember that game where he thought it was third down, but it was actually fourth down against the Bears at Soldier Field a couple of years ago? Uh, he got a little confused at the end. Uh, Tampa and Green Bay are going to be there. They both have excellent defenses. Tampa super limited yesterday at, at receiver. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and company have bounced back, um, and they've won two in a row since their season-opening loss to Minnesota. Let's go to Miami 
for the other anticipated uh, game on Sunday afternoon. Second down and 20. God, I wish I could have watched this game uh, from the jump. Uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills lost to the Dolphins 21-19. Miami is 3-0. and Buffalo is 2-1. and The box score of this game is amazing to look at, uh, in part because, and I don't know if this, I've, I've been trying to read to see if this is uh, a record or not. Buffalo ran 90 offensive plays. Miami ran 39. Buffalo ran 51 more offensive snaps in the game, 51, and lost. They had 497 yards of offense. Miami had 212. They had 31 first downs. Miami had 15. Buffalo was 11 for 18 on third down. Miami was 3 for 8. Uh, It's not like Buffalo kept turning it over. They had one turnover in the game, uh, and they lost the game 21-19. Tua left the game with what we thought was a concussion, but he came back in because it wasn't a concussion, even though the NFLPA says they're going to investigate. Um, Waddle and Hill were pretty much kept in check. I mean, Waddle had four catches for 102 yards. That's 25 and a half yards per catch, but only four catches compared to 11 last week. And Tariq Hill only had two catches, but they didn't have the ball. The heat was a problem. The humidity was a problem. Players were cramping up. Stefan Diggs, I think, had to leave the game. Josh Allen was about to keel over. Allen was 42 of 63 for 400 yards and two touchdowns. He also rushed the ball eight times for 47 yards. They had a play late in the game. Miami, um, Buffalo uh, turned the ball over on downs. On the Miami two-yard line, down 21-17 with like a minute 49 left. But they had timeouts left. And so the two timeouts left, which forced Miami to punt from their own one-yard line. And the punter punted it right into the up guy's butt. And it went, fortunately for them, out of the back of the end zone for a safety. Could have been a touchdown. But Buffalo got the ball back only needing a field goal. And they got to the Miami 43-yard line. Um, and then on a second and 20, after a, a holding penalty, uh, the guy McKenzie, who I actually love, caught a ball, tried to get to the uh, sidelines and get out of bounds. Then he cut it upfield. I don't know if he could have gotten out of bounds, um, but the bottom line is the clock ran out on, on them. Um, and, uh, and Buffalo lost. You know, they, Now, if you missed this before the game, Buffalo lost Micah Hyde for the season. They had other defensive players out in the secondary. They were limited yesterday. They were re- really banged up. The Dolphins were one of my picks, one of my smell test picks, plus five and a half. The line went to four and a half and even four in some places. All right, let's go to Indianapolis for what was the upset of the day predicted right here. Here he goes from the 20. He throws it to the end zone. The Colts have taken the lead with 24 seconds remaining. It's the rookie Woods for the second time today in the end zone. 
The NFL is so unpredictable, uh, but that's why you can't be afraid to bet on teams that you think are horrible. Uh, The Colts were by far and away the least bet team of the NFL weekend. The Chiefs had an overwhelming public uh, side to them. Uh, But sharp money was on Indianapolis, and some of that sharp money was mine. Uh, I told you the Colts all week was the stinkiest of all of the point spreads. They win the game outright 20-17 to on that touchdown pass from Matt Ryan. He was 27-37 to with two touchdowns. Had his receivers back. Last week, no Michael Pittman Jr., no Alec Pierce. They were back this week, uh, and they win their game to get to 1-1-1. How about the NFC South, which, by the way, is the division that the NFC East plays as a whole uh, right now, Jacksonville's two and one and in first place. Indy's one one and one. Tennessee's one and two. Houston's oh two and one. Uh, cr- the worst division I think in football. Although Jacksonville, you know, they're, they they look good, and I think Indy will figure it out. Um, but Jacksonville went in against a very banged up, obviously Justin Herbert, and beat the Chargers thirty eight to ten in L A. Thank God they did not get the week three Trevor Lawrence. Because this is going to be a marriage uh, that works out with Doug Peterson. Uh, James Robinson had a big day. ETN had a big, big day. Kirk and Zay Jones. Um, Trey Lawrence was 28 of 39 for uh, 262 yards and three touchdowns in a rout of the Chargers. I know Herbert wasn't right. Probably shouldn't have played. But still. Uh, In Foxborough yesterday, uh, this game was all about Lamar Jackson. Jackson keeps it, has the first down, has a touchdown, Lamar Jackson. Ball came loose, but the signal was given. It's a touchdown. I think they're really good. And Lamar Jackson, man, when he is right and he is healthy, he's just so, so dynamic. I mean, the the guy accounted for 325 yards, 11 carries for 107 yards, 18 of 29, 218 yards, four touchdown passes on the day. J.K. Dobbins was back actually for Baltimore. This game was competitive with New England uh, until that final touchdown run. New England had the ball twice down 31-26 in the fourth quarter. They threw an interception in the red zone on one of those drives. They fumbled uh, at their own 33 on another play. Um, That led to that uh, touchdown run that you just heard. Baltimore beats New England 37-26. The AFC is loaded with really good teams. Baltimore is one of them, and Baltimore plays Buffalo this coming week. You know, they played Miami last week, and now Baltimore hosts the Buffalo Bills. They are three-point underdogs to the Bills uh, this coming week, and the Bills looked physically spent in that South Florida heat yesterday uh, after that game. Uh, Let's go to Minneapolis uh, for the Kirk Cousins, what he does usually, uh, comeback in the fourth quarter. Cousins, he's got it, touchdown, it's Osborne again! The Vikings are 2-1. and one. Detroit is so improved. I mean, we obviously saw that firsthand. So did Philadelphia in week one when they lost uh, to the Eagles 38-35. Uh, Minnesota gave up a lot on the ground, um, gave up a lot to Jared Goff. Uh, they were down 10 in the fourth quarter uh, after, a, uh, after a Dalvin Cook fumble. 
Um, offensively, as it's been really through the first three weeks, they were sharp in week one, but um, it's been a little bit, you know, uh, feast and famine for them. Uh, but down 10, uh, Kirk led them on two big-time drives. Uh, they had a six-play 57-yard drive that ended in, a, in, in an Alexander Madison touchdown. And then after a missed field goal to try to make it 27-21 after Detroit had gone for a lot of fourth downs, Minnesota took over at its own 44, needing three. Uh, but they, they got the six. It was a broken coverage, and Kirk found K.J. Osborne for the touchdown. And the Vikings are 2-1. and one. The Lions are 1-2. and two. We talked about the AFC South being bad. The NFC North, the Packers, Vikings, and Bears are all 2-1. and one. And the Lions, who are probably better than the Bears, are 1-2. and two. That's a pretty good top-to-bottom division. You know, it may not be the AFC West, uh, but it's pretty damn good top-to-bottom, uh, the NFC uh, North. Uh, by the way, that's an early – the first uh, international game is Sunday morning, 9.30, Minnesota and New Orleans um, in uh, – is it in Wembley? I don't know where it is. Might be that Tottenham Stadium. I think that's where it is. Uh, the other the other games of note yesterday. Um, I would start with the game last night. Uh, Eleven to ten, San Francisco loses to Denver. Jimmy Garoppolo, eighteen of twenty nine, a touchdown and a pick and a safety. Where apparently he kind of went out of the back of the end zone on his own. He did not have a good game. Russell Wilson did nothing for um, for for Denver until. The final drive. Uh, they're down ten to five, was the score, and they go on a twelve-play, eighty-yard drive, where Wilson was, you know, made some big plays, including a third and ten throw to a dude named Hinton, um, and then had another third and six where he scrambled for twelve yards and picked up a first down. Uh, Eleven to ten was the final. Uh, Denver won their game last week, sixteen to nine. They went lost in week one, 17 to 16. It doesn't seem to be working so far, but they are two and one. And at this point in the season, it's like we've said before, just win games and figure out how to be good later on. And maybe that's what Denver is going through right now. They're going to play the Raiders, who are 0-3. They lost to the Titans. They had a chance to, to, to tie it with a late touchdown but missed on the two-point conversion. And so the Titans get their first win. And the Raiders are 0-3. And the Raiders have uh, Denver coming up at home this week before going to Kansas City. Um, so that's pretty much the NFL story. Uh, Chicago won on a walk-off. The Bengals got their first win over the Jets. The Panthers got their first win over the Saints. The Rams didn't look overly impressive but beat the Cardinals. And the Falcons beat the Seahawks, You know, teams that – I don't think we're expecting much from uh, this year. Although I'm just going to mention a guy that I've mentioned in the past. I love Corderell Patterson. I think he's just a great football player. And I saw yesterday he had 17 carries for 141 yards. You know, he wearing number 84. I just love him as an all-around player. Um, Atlanta's one and two. You know, the Falcons could have easily won in week one. They blew a 16-point lead and lost to the Saints. And then last week had the ball down six in the final few minutes of the game, but lost to the Rams 31-27. Just mentioning, I don't think Atlanta's very good, but they've been very competitive in their first three games, and they won yesterday at Seattle uh, to get their first one of the year. I think Arthur Smith knows what he's doing. 
Uh, I'm, you know, Mariota, but they've got Pitts. Pitts finally got into the action. Five catches, 87 yards. London's looked good so far. And Patterson's really special. And they've got a dual-threat quarterback in Mariota. I don't know. I mean, is that a team that maybe we're sleeping on? They play the Browns this week. They could be 2-2. Two and two. Who knows? They play them in Atlanta. What's that line? I bet Atlanta's the right play this week, and I don't even know what the line is. I'm going to look it up right now on my bookie, though. Uh, Atlanta's a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home against Cleveland. I don't know. We'll see. we got plenty of time on that. Wanted to finish up with this. Uh, Maryland on Saturday, they lost to Michigan. And, you know, Loxley's post-game locker room speech was great. I think I tweeted it out so you can follow me on at Kevin Sheehan DC and watch it. Um, and he said, look, we're not into moral victories at Maryland. But the truth is, Maryland's been, you know, far from at that level uh, of the Big Ten East, you know, with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State for the most part. Over the last couple of years, Michigan beat them 59-14 to last year, 38-7 to the year before. Ohio State, Ohio State in their last two games against Maryland, they've scored 66 and 73 points against Maryland in blowouts. And I, I gave Maryland out plus 17. I thought that line just was a bit too short, and the public liked Michigan. Maryland was right there. They were right there in this football game. They have the weapons offensively. They've got a good quarterback. He's got to improve his decision-making. He threw an interception late that was really unfortunate with a a receiver wide open, and he threw into double coverage. Maryland got the short end of the whistle. There were two uh, interceptions, one in particular, that should have been replayed and overturned and wasn't for some reason. Um, Maryland had the the unfortunate – uh, as Doc mentioned, open to the, the the returner having the ball bounce off his helmet. Michigan recovers. They score in the next play. They're down seven nothing in eight seconds of of actual game clock. Uh, but they hung in there, man. Uh, they've got some weapons. They've got NFL receivers. They've got a, an NFL potential first-round left tackle. They've got NFL running backs. They've got a quarterback that at this level is good enough and at times can be really good. Um, defensively, eh, you know, they gave up 239 yards, 243 yards to, I think, one of the best running backs in the country in Corum. Um, but that was a hell of an effort for Maryland, and they are favored by seven on Saturday against a Michigan State team that two weeks ago, two weeks ago before their, their game against uh, Washington, was ranked ninth in the coaches' poll. And Maryland is a seven-point favorite over uh, over Michigan State this week. The Terps got votes uh, in this week's poll. I think it was the coaches' poll. Um, they've got two home games against Michigan State and Purdue. Hopefully, people will get out there support this group. I think they, you know, I, I predicted that they would win seven regular season games for the first time. They won seven last year, but their seventh came in the bowl game. I think they can win seven this year. Uh, and the next two will go a long way uh, in deciding that. You win these next two, you are 5-1. and one. And maybe, maybe at that point, probably not ranked, but just on the periphery of being ranked. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in good shape to have a really good season. I'm not saying they're going to they're gonna, you know, beat Ohio State, although Ohio State does come here on November 19th. But they go to Happy Valley the week before. But the next four games, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana, and Northwestern, are all winnable. And if they were to win those games and get to 7-1, and one, 
you know, the, the closing stretch of Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, and Rutgers would be meaningful for them. They haven't had that in a long time. Uh, they played well. Back tomorrow with Tommy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.